1: It's the Global Thought Leader Insights, Brilliant Thinking Implemented, brought to you by Internal Consulting Group. I'm Mark S.A. Smith. As a leader of your company, you must stay on top of your industry or risk obsolescence. This can be a daunting task. Get ready to solve your biggest challenges and learn how to capitalize on your biggest opportunities after this. Executives depend on external advisors to fill knowledge and experience gaps, to help them make a case for change, or to have an experienced mind audit their thinking. Internal Consulting Group brings together a wide range of proven thought leaders from around the globe and makes them available to you. Get access to insights, advice, and the tools you need to succeed. Learn more at internalconsulting.com. Our guest today is Michael Roche, who is a ICG world expert on partnerships. He has his his master's degree in accounting. He has his JD, as well as a doctorate in alliances and joint ventures. He has worked with companies around the globe, from Johannesburg to Oslo, from Los Angeles to Sydney, to put together the talent and the rewards to help companies grow. You're going to love this conversation. Welcome, Michael.
2: Thank you, Mark, for the kind introduction. Pleasure to be here.
1: And you are joining us from Zurich today. That's right. World Business and Banking Headquarters. And today, we are a global society. Even small businesses have to do things globally. And there is more of a challenge in getting talent to help us grow the right way than ever before. So let's talk about how do we go about bringing the talent into the organization so we can achieve our business goals.
2: Well, that's a great question. For starters, uh, Mark, thank you. And um, there's there's many things that have to come together to to get the right people and to get them at the pace that we need them. Um, currently, funny you asked the question. Currently, I'm I'm working with a startup in Germany um, that has grown very rapidly over the last three years, and um, they cannot possibly hire on um enough people fast enough to be able to uh, achieve the delivery that they need to achieve it's a uh, it's a company that does um, uh, social media outsourcing and um, what uh, what they've done what we helped them do is um, we, we we helped them put in place a very nice sort of career path framework for their you know millennial generation that is coming in who want very fast moving clicks in their career, right? So, so they can move very quickly from role to role, just whatever pace they're comfortable with. But around that, sort of the bubble around that, what we did is we said there's gotta be a a an ecosystem of two types of things. One is of other boutiques that they can uh, ask for help when they run into capacity issues, that they that they work with on a consistent basis, do joint pitches together, etc. And then around that, um, there is sort of this pool of, of freelancers. Um, So they are now scouring the various uh, uh, platforms, various freelance platforms that there are, Um, and when they find for example a graphic artist who is who is who think they will just they'll just fit for a project they'll work with that person and um, and and eventually if if it's uh, if it works they stay as a freelancer or they become then an employed uh, an employed uh, person so um, the the uh, the you know the, there is besides being being a being a shortage of talent in the in the big economies for a lot of different things especially for twenty first century types of jobs the the, the nice thing is about. Uh, the 21st century is that um, you've got other ways in which you can source that talent. You don't just have to hire people on, and um, and that's what we're doing.
1: Michael, you just covered a lot of ground <laughs> in that uh, in that yeah. 90 seconds or so that you spoke, yeah. and I want to unpack that for our listener sure. because it's a lot of stuff there. You're obviously extremely intelligent. You know your stuff. You've been doing this for 20 years, and what you laid out for us is you said there's essentially three strategies that we have here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Number one is outsource. This company is growing really fast because their clients are outsourcing social media, which is an option for all of us. Let's find somebody who's an expert. Let's bring them in and we'll work with them to outsource this. So that's one end of the spectrum for finding talent. Mm -hmm. And so this outsource company itself is having challenges because they need to find this combination of employees who can they, can they can bring to bear, as well as other people they're bringing in for the outside to do a specific gig. Then what we've really set up is this continuum of employee, gig, and outsource. That's right. And so we've got this continuum here that we can all tap into to get this done. And in each one of these cases, there's different approaches to how we engage, how we compensate, how we incentivize, and how we reward. Now, on top of all of that, that's right. you're talking about millennials which right now is half the workforce worldwide. Yeah. And the last stats I saw was about two thirds of millennials don't want raises. They want promotions.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> okay. So now that we've got the platform set, yeah. let's, let's pick one of these and dig into it. Let's, where should we start? Should we talk about the employees? How do you, how do you find and reward that talent mm-hmm. and make it work with a millennial mindset?
2: Absolutely. I mean, the. I think. I mean, just for disclosure, um, I turn forty-nine tomorrow. So congratulations, um, happy month. birthday! Thank you. Yeah, I'm working on it. Thank you. Um, but um, the reason why I say that is because um, you know, the, most of most of my clients that I work with. Um don't have you know they, they, they they're executives who are you know aged you know, my age forty, forty five, fifty, sixty plus years old. So it was a real challenge for me to actually flex to that particular organization because you know the the, the founder and MD is thirty five and the average age of the of the crew is twenty eight or something like that. So it was a bit of a challenge to to flex to that. But what we found very quickly is exactly what you said. so people are are, are looking for 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 progression very quickly, and they're looking for learning. And, um, and we, we recognize that. So, so you, you, we build a, the, the entire talent brand and the career path within that talent brand around being able to progress quickly. So instead of traditional type of business where you might say, well, you know, annually we can look at what you've done and we can you know, see if we can move a position or every two years, every three years. Here we're saying there is a, a properly structured conversation every four months where you know you you may progress you may not progress but at least there is the option um that uh, if you're on track and if you've learned the things that you've said you're going to learn um that you can move on so it's and, and, and you do not just move straight up you can move you know to a different uh, part of the company that does more data analytics if that suits you more you can move into the creative side so we've tried to sort of make it modular right and that's and 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 that has 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 really helped bring people on board and 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 to a degree also keep people there. Um, now again, the sex- again, again, again,
1: yeah. you in 90 seconds, you gave us <laughs> such rich food. I want I want to take this apart a little bit because I for you, this sure. is second nature, but I, I really I want to pull this yeah. out for our, our listener. So first of yeah. all, you use the word talent brand. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's such a critical concept because millennials don't choose careers. They tr- they choose culture.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. Mm-hmm.
1: And and brand is what is determined by culture.
2: Also determined by culture, yeah.
1: That's right. So what you're saying is that part of what we have to do is create this talent strategy mm-hmm. that itself has a brand.
2: Yes, also. Mm-hmm.
1: That's a power that's a that's a really powerful concept. Now most people listening are are going to say, "Yeah, we have our corporate brand, but we've never really put together our talent brand." This this seems to me to be an innovation that can really massively help people bring the right people in
2: thank you for saying that I think you're you're it's it's not quite that strong I think the I mean HR people who are really switched on to the topic they have recognized that you need a talent brand that's that that complements your overall brand and the overall strategy you're trying to drive um, it has to be supportive right I think um, what what is different in this context that we're talking about is that you know how, how, do, how do the, the future um, um, employees of this company that, that we're talking about as a case study, how do these future employees come to the company? They come to the company also via what? The social media channels. Now, they don't, don't tend to come through the recruiters, right? I mean, they tend, to, they tend to come through the social media channels themselves. So how you build that brand and how you communicate about what you can offer you know, these these folks is, is very important. And if that's what brand means, yes, absolutely. And there, you know, we're competing against, you know, other companies that are, some of which are very established and just have gotten into this sort of new, you know, service, but some are, are similar startups. So you're competing, you know, in part, your, your business model competes as well a little bit, you know, in terms of where, where can I be in three years' time? Um, so, um, yes, the talent brand, I think, to make that explicit and to um, consciously drive that, to invest in it is, I think that is important. Certainly, when you're struggling for talent, that's that's one of the places where you look. Is you know what is the foundation of the of the of the of the talent you know um, um, overall proposition, you know? and then we see how does you know what is the external internal perception about that brand, and how do we how do we uh, improve that that uh, that brand both in contents? How do we make the contents better, and also how do we improve the communication around it better? How do we you know gloss it up better? You know? Who
1: should be responsible for designing that brand? Should that be the CEO or should that be
2: HR? Who's, who is responsible for that? I think it's an excellent question. And ideally, ideally, um, if we're looking at a 21st century organization, it is co-created by everyone across the organization. So practically what that means, it depends a bit on how big you are, right? I mean, if you're, if you've got 10,000 people, it's a different story compared to when you are, you know, 12 or, or 100 or 200, but um, but ideally um, the people who think about the brand is a, is a cross-section of clearly it's a CEO issue without question, right? Mm-hmm. right uh, um, clearly you've got to have your HR um, um, dedicated folks to the degree that you have them, you've got to have them involved, but I don't think you can just turn it over to HR, you've got to have a cross-section of people within the organization who, who lives it breathes it and uh, evolves it and advocates it and evangelizes it. Um, um, otherwise you've, you know, you've got no chance. If, if just HR makes it up, then, you know, the crew has, you know, they're like, well, that's great. That's HR, but it doesn't apply to me.
1: Well, then in that particular case, if we turn it over to HR, then they're going to be responsible for the brand of the company. So I think that this, what we're really, really talking about is brand application. We take the, the, the culture of the company and we apply it as a branding process to the HR to help enforce the culture. So that we deliver the brand.
2: Ideally, I, yes, and <laughs> yes, and ideally, HR will help drive the discussion. Yes. Right. Ideally. Will influence the CEO, ideally will drive the discussion. Now, if you're asking me how often that happens, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, the, the, the HR folks who are switched on, they will, they will drive the discussion and they will, they will earn the permission to do that.
1: All right. I, I love that. I love that concept. And then then you said a well-defined career path that's modularized. Yeah. And we do a review uh, every four months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, 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 some people are, are are listening and thinking, oh, oh I, I hate doing annual reviews. You're, you're going to give me three times the pain here? Yes. And, and and I think what we have to do is back up and go, no, 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 no. Don't look at it that <laughs> way. Annual, annual reviews are painful because they're done mm-hmm. annually. And if we do them over shorter time spans, they actually become less painful. That's right. And more meaningful and substantially more impactful.
2: Absolutely. I think um, you've said that very well. And um, I don't have to say anything, but I do want to say something on it. (laughs) And that is um, that, um, you know, let us go back and think about what that annual review is designed to do, right? In most companies, it's a very bureaucratic process whereby. A couple of things happen. One, um, you sit down and you agree. Oh, at best you agree, at worst you're given you know a number of goals that you've got to achieve during the next year. Um, then that year passes. I'm I'm now overstating things a little bit, right? But but then that year passes and you go back to it and you say, Oh, I'm gonna dig out my paper here and see, oh gosh, you know, yeah, of those two goals, the, those those two I've forgotten, and the third one, yeah, I think I sort of got there.
1: And then Yeah, because they didn't look at the paper since the last review, anyway.
2: Since then, that, that's right. In, anyway, that's right. And then what happens is that then you know the boss comes and says, "Well, okay, I think um, you know overall based on this year, either the same criteria or a different criteria catalog, I think you know you did well here, you didn't do so well here. So you know this year you you did sort of you 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 just about met my expectations, and that then is a straight line to." If you've got a variable performance um, um, compensation type of structure, that then ties into you know how much bonus you will get, and maybe it'll tie into what your salary increases for next year. Well, of course, I'm describing it in a bit of a horrible sort of way, but um, in a lot of companies, large and small, from you know forty thousand employees to you know hundred employees, um, that's still a lot of how a lot of companies do that, and that doesn't not work, anymore. Right? It doesn't. It's it's. It's well, not. I'm not sure. It actually, ever has. Well, passport, I, well, well right? it, it did work.
1: I take that, Michael. It did work. Did it?
2: It worked. <laughs> it, it worked. Did in it? the
1: military, where it was originated. Okay, it it might have done, but did it work to
2: motivate people? <laughs> did, it, did it did it work to motivate people?
1: the in, in the military in the military you're motivated because if you you do or you go to jail?
2: That's not your motivator. Exactly. Exactly. You're... It's
1: a it's a different <laughs> strategy. So what's happened okay. is we took something out of context. Right and we and we put it into another location and i don't think it ever did work.
2: Well, it's,
1: it it worked in the military but it doesn't work anywhere else. It's time to, time to drop that concept.
2: And i think that's right. So, you know, what it does is it it it's a, it's a huge paper tiger. It's uh, it's all about results, not about development, which is really the conversation you want to have uh, with the people it breeds cynicism, it demotivates and uh, often uh, more often than not it serves as a as a as an excuse to sort of set predetermined reward outcomes, i.e. I want to give this person a big bonus. Therefore, I've got to get to an above expectation. Therefore, I'm going to find a way to get to that above expectation, right? Exactly. Um, Done well, done well, those kinds of conversations, right? They align people to goals. Uh, they, you know, it focuses you on development as to what do we need to do next. Um, ideally, it drives engagement. Um, ideally, you know, it creates a good tie from this is what this person has contributed to the company, and to the reward that the person gets. Ideally, right? But um, with an annual process, um, that doesn't work. Right? This batch process doesn't doesn't work. There's a bunch of um, you know management literature out there, not just recently, that says, look, you know, that batch process just doesn't uh, doesn't work. Um, on top of that. Um, these, these these, these, ratings and people have tried to quantify it down because if you have that in a that conversation in a qualitative way then you know you you, you know, how do you translate that into reward so people try to just quantify it down but when you there's a study done by Wharton about uh, three years ago that basically concluded that 62 percent of the variance of the scores is based on managerial of management the, the manager's perception of 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 you know, what kind of person you are and how you've done, rather than the actual contribution that you've made. Sixty-two percent—that's massive. Sixty-two percent. Only twenty-one percent. Only twenty-one percent. That study found is you know is due to that employee's performance, right? That's uh, go to H, uh, to the uh, Harvard Business Review, twenty fifteen, um, Wharton study again. It's uh, and that's 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 shocking, right? So a lot of it sits in the manager's discretion. And um, and it's it's just the, the wrong conversation to have. It's not motivating, even even how we're talking about it now, right? It's it's it's, it's stressful to discuss. So what's happening It is. is it's, it's yeah.
1: So it's, it's actually it's actually insane. Well, is what it's is.
2: a bit it's a bit uh, bad, right? So so what? Uh, so a couple of companies have experimented to just abolish that annual review process. So for example, Deloitte. Lawyer- well, but we can't do that.
1: Well, because how does, a, how does a person know how to advance? How do they know how to get promoted? There you go. And if millennials are, if millennials are going to a job to get promoted, right. how can they get promoted if they don't have an annual review or they don't have some sort of review process or goal setting? And there's got to be a feedback process to get them promoted. Exactly. We'll be back with more after this. The world is moving fast. It's difficult to keep up. Your executive team needs new ideas to keep them ahead of the competition. Download and share the Internal Consulting Group's monthly executive magazine, The Insights Review. Every issue includes thought leadership and ideas that you can leverage to solve issues and harvest opportunities facing you. Get your complimentary copy from internalconsulting.com slash publications. Let's have a conversation about what gets a person promoted, right? What what gets them promoted?
2: What 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 gets them promoted, or what should get
1: them promoted? Well, what, what gets them promoted is what, this is <laughs> let's let's this is a great conversation. Yeah. So today, yeah. from my experience, what gets people promoted is simply this: they mm-hmm. continuously make good, sound decisions, and they don't embarrass the boss. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So that's my viewpoint. Tell me yours what gets them promoted
2: in actuality? Um, yeah, look, um, I don't, I don't have a empirical answer to that question. What I, what I do know is that too many times, um, people get promoted for the wrong reasons. So it's, you've got all of the biases involved, right? From latency effect. We see that all the time. Right. I mean, I've, I've actually, I've got one example of a global business, um, We worked with them about two years ago, where it was. I mean, they and they knew it. They they knew they had to get in the back of a cab with the global CEO between November and December to make sure that they could get all their points and of all the stuff that they did, so that they could do well in the January review process. Right? They had they they know they had to ride in the back of the cab with the guy to make to make the to take the message.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Wrong reason to get promoted, right? Um, In terms of in terms of content. You know, in terms of what's ideally, yeah. ideally, um, you get promoted, not even promoted, you get moved into a different role because based on what you've learned, you have, you're better suited now for the, for the, for the role that, that either has been created or that now exists, right? Ideally, that's, that's the case. And the question is, how do you, how can you identify that? You know that that, uh, that that new ability in the employee and how can you make sure that that you can move that person across and i tell you what the annual process that we've been talking about right is not the way to do it because once a year what, how, how, you know, how can you how can you even think you know how, you can't remember what the guy did in march that's right so the the um you asked um um what uh you know why we got to the uh the three times a year discussions and and um it is really Twofold. Um, first, um, a couple of companies have tried to abolish completely the annual process. And for example, the Lloyd in the U.S. has gone to some coaching conversations. Facebook, I think, has tried to eliminate those those discussions. And what they found was that it, you know, the individuals um, need some process. They need some structured discussion where they are, if you will, given the grade. Right. So we've got to we've got to have the structured process. But we know annual isn't enough, and we know we've got to have something. What we said was well. Ideally, right, best practice tells us well. You do it once a quarter. Reality is once a quarter is far too too often. You don't. It doesn't fit with the cycle very well because, you know, you've got uh, you've got the summer in Europe. You know, people take take off. You've got the March. The, uh, sorry, December 31st. Uh, you know, a lot of things happen before financial year end so doing it around there is not very good so for this particular company we said it's going to be you know three times a year because we can time it when when the when the, the business cyclically is less busy than than other times number one number two i can then fine tune development that I, that that person has to have not just for the next role but for you know to do the job well right um and uh, what you can then do is you then when you look at you know your reward decisions you then have at least a couple of conversations where you can say well i can see the trajectory i can see the contribution that that person has done um and so forth so we've we've said look in this company it's it's going to be three times a year the other way to do it um, or in supplement of the two um, is um, that you can Um, think about really 21st century stuff and you can say well we can we can gamify a portion of 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 how we look at this right yes so we can uh we can think about um, a gamified platform where both my boss my peer my subs maybe my clients can input in terms of how i've done and 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 then i can aggregate that over the year and see okay you know this person has gotten you know i don't know uh, hundreds of tokens from people this person hasn't gotten that many tokens from people. We can see well what's what's going on here. What's going on with this person? How do we you know, how do we make that work? So there's there's some tools that are now available, um, and then you know of course if I'm a- allowing that sort of broader input, uh, which goes far beyond the traditional three hundred and sixty, right? Um, then the question is of course what psychological safety can I create so that people actually. Um, give the right input that people aren't afraid of peers and subs and bosses inputting and so forth. But um am sorry, I'm, I'm sort of going, going off on various different uh, tangents here based on the very good question that you've asked, but uh, that's, no, uh, it's all good. That's, um, that's what it is.
1: Well, there's so many pieces here. There's so many pieces here that we have to consider. You know, first of all, we obviously have to pivot away from an old model that was very much baby boomer driven, to a newer model that's much more acceptable and valuable motivating and rewarding to the millennials, which have a different view of value. They still respect the same thing that millennials and Gen X respect, which is respect. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we have respect for each other that they, they appreciate uh, ability. um, They appreciate talent, but what they see is the reward changes. And I think that's a massive difference. Also, Uh, The way the baby boomers operated were very much authority driven. I was taught to respect authority uh, versus uh, my millennial kids will flip me off, uh, tell me the F word and and walk out of the house. It's just a very different view. And and so we have to make these pivots to help understand uh, how to motivate, reward, and develop talent in this new pool. Now, it's going to get even worse as we go to the z Gen. But let's leave that for another conversation. Yeah,
2: let's. let's. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, think, I think you've done a really great job talking about some of the things that we have to consider when we're developing a talent pool of, of millennials. Let's pivot to talking about uh, gigs, mm-hmm. where, we, where we bring people in to do a particular task or a job, and then uh, they're, they're in, in and out. So just a, a quick contractor versus a, a professional services organization. What changes? as we work with a gigster
2: well a couple of changes um a couple of things change excuse me what changes first off is that i've got to find a way to get that person if it's a new person that i haven't worked with before i've got to get that person on speed with my organization very quickly right they have to be able to get to my my culture pretty quickly they have to understand how we work pretty quickly um, they have to understand what's acceptable and what what doesn't work very quickly and they've gotta be up to quality very quickly. Um that's that's an investment that I've gotta make in every gigster that I that I that I work with. Um that's similar.
1: We've got to plug them into the culture and we have to plug them into the process.
2: That's right. And and that's and actually process is a very good word. It, it's it to me, working with with a with a group of gig folks is I've got to have really good workflows really good processes inside my company that I can plug them into because what what doesn't work is you know with, with if I'm just working with a small group of employees you can sort of make up the process right but once I've working with a lot of externals who come in and out I've got to have good good uh, workflows internally whatever it is that, that I have the external do whether it's something that's internal to to, to the business or whether it's client facing or
1: whatever. it's a combination of what we want as far as our quality control timing control, a mm-hmm. communication process so that has to be well defined that's right now it seems to me as, it seems to me as we have to do this anyway if we're going to have an organization of employees that can be fairly fluid in their ability to move from job to job as they prepare for their promotion so this yeah. this sounds like it's going to be a universal
2: well that's true uh, that's
1: situation that's
2: true except I've got uh, more time to indoctrinate people with my culture if they are if they are quote unquote my you know I mean, if I've got somebody who's been working with me for five years in my division in my company, whichever, then you know, actually, I can I can use that person to evangelize the gigster, right? But with a gigster, that person has to come on board pretty quickly. On the other hand, people who are who work a lot and the as gigsters, if you will, um, they know that and they are used to adapting pretty quickly. I mean, they've you know, they become chameleons pretty quickly, pretty yes. well. Yes, good gigsters are um, chameleons. That's right. That's right. And then I guess the other context or the other question is, you know, how do you how do you uh, reward people, right? So you've got, um, you know, it depends on how tightly you tie in the gigsters into your business, right? So if you've got long-term gigsters who work side by side with your employees for, you know, months and years, that's a different situation compared to if a gigster comes for three months and then you know it's gone. Um, once you've got that sort of close pool of gigsters that you work with, I mean, employment laws aside, um, once you've got that, that that long-term pool of gigsters that you work with, then you also on the reward side have to um, make sure that your relativities between the internal folks doing that particular work and the external folks, that those relativities aren't completely out of whack. Um, that's sort of the reward implication. And then we can talk about, you know, um, 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 variable comp as well. But, you know, the we've the, 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 if you, if got to be just a bit careful. They're more careful than we would have to be with just project folks or consultants that we bring on board for, for a couple of months.
1: I think that's a really important thing to point out. If there's too big of a gap between how you compensate your uh, employee talent and your gigster talent, that, uh-huh. that creates a problem. Yep. In a, in a motivational set in both directions
2: in both directions so it's um it essentially extends the problem that you have anyway so let's assume that you don't work with any gigsters right one of the things that you do is you look at your various uh roles and you see how they fit with um internal relativity and external competitiveness right um, you just have to overlay a, a dimension for your gigsters when you when you when you're looking at that um. Certainly, the long-term gigsters, mm-hmm. and um, and we're talking. You know, you can. You know, some look at that just in the base comp uh, context. Some look at it in the total comp context. Um, I like to look at, at at all of the dimensions. So whether yes, you know, it depends on how complex your reward structure is, right? Whether if you just have a salary and bonus, it's fairly straightforward. If you've got salary and bonus and profit shares and equity. Then it becomes a bit more complicated as to as to how that has to work
1: sure and even along the lines of working strategy uh you know where do they work how do they work what's the oversight that's required mm-hmm. um there's a lot of lot of dimensions to uh mapping the employee job to the gigster job and and how those work out and especially in in the world of millennials where they are comparing notes they freely uh compare they millennials will tell you how much money they yeah. make <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, you know, boomers. Boomers would go, no, you're I'm not telling you how much money I make.
2: Yeah, that's uh, actually you've just touched on a really conflicting issue. The topic of transparency is, is is huge, and and we don't even have to get into the generational aspect as much. But you know, as a company, um, you know, clearly as an employee, you're you're entitled to know what you know what it is you get paid right? You know that automatically um, in. You know some very conservative companies you know you don't know why you get paid what you get paid you don't know the why right you know what but you don't know why then the next level of transparency is you know the why why you know why you get paid what you get paid um, and then you know you can span that, that out right do you know where you're at in terms of total results compared to your peers for example right some companies provide that transparent right some companies provide that some companies provide well you know you sit here and he sits there because of right you get into that but that's that I see rarely, and I'm not sure that that's terribly healthy. But um, you've got to decide as a company how transparent you want to be. Um, also in you know, there are some countries now that have uh, that have some disclosure rules around transparency around gender and race, et cetera. Um, but um, it's um, how you manage that also then vis-a-vis your gig people um, that um, that becomes a topic. But reality is what I tell most clients is, look, if you think that you're keeping it confidential, think again because as you said, People will typically, at least in their peers, their friends, they will compare notes and and, and talk. And if they, you've got a big discrepancy there, you, you do have problems. People will leave.
1: Indeed. Well, and and we see this with with things such as Glassdoor, where people will they'll post their salaries, and millennials will trade privacy for access. They, it's a currency. Yep.
2: It's, and it's absolutely, and it's not, it's, it goes beyond actually the, 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 the amount that I get paid. What we know is that it's less important, and that's actually true across the generations, it's less important the amount that I get paid. It's how does my pay compare to the person who's doing a similar job or who's doing better or worse than I do. I want to make be, be sure that that relativity works. And externally, if my friend does the exact same job at company X next door, I want to be at least within the bracket, and unless unless the employer is able to pay within that bracket, you've got a problem there as well.
1: Indeed, they'll they'll flee the ship just as quickly as they possibly can. You don't have to beat them, but you've
2: got to be in the bracket. You've got to be in the in the broad bracket, then it works.
1: That's right. Boy, we've covered a lot of ground in our conversation here. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, unfortunately, got yeah, we have to wrap it up this time. But uh, what would you like our listener to do? Is there something you'd like them to uh, to get to? Uh, how should they reach you?
2: What would you like for them to do? Well, how, how they can reach me is is easy. Um it's um Michael roche at internalconsulting.com. Um that's that's easy bit. So if you have any questions or if you found this conversation interesting, then please reach out. Um that's the that's, right. that's Michael that's, dot, yeah, Michael roche yes, Michael O C H four letter word. For letter word, don't make me Irish, for letter word, R O C H at internalconsulting.com. But that's the easy bit. You know, I'm I'm always happy to 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 um to have a conversation. Um what I do encourage is that what, what I would would not want people to do is to just you know treat you know this 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 very you know this very big topic of 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 people management talent management as a a blob of stuff that just needs to get done, and to treat people like you know they're part of just you know they're just production, right? People, I'm 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 very strong about this that people are the biggest asset that a company has. They're the most expensive asset in most cases, and the and even with if you you might accept that, that that some IP is is very valuable, but even that doesn't show up on your balance sheet. The value of your people doesn't show on your balance sheet. It's just an item on the income statement and that's you know it, if the accounts look at it that way fine as a business leader do not look at it that way people are the biggest asset in your company and 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 f- find a way to really uh, harness the the potential that the people want to bring to your company people are there because they want to be part of the company they want to help help it grow don't box them don't put them into this stupid annual process don't you know don't don't make them smaller than they are the people that you have, make them, make them big so that you can be big with them. Um, that's my biggest what That's what I want people to come out with out of this podcast is yeah, they can contact me. That's fine. But that's the biggest uh, message I want to bring.
1: Right on. The reality is that our employees, our team is our biggest competitive advantage. Absolutely. And you, you got to treat them like that. So, uh, so thank you, Michael, for sharing your wisdom and insight on how to find and retain better talent.
2: Mark, thank you very much for the uh, very delightful conversation.
1: That wraps up this episode. Go to internalconsulting.com slash global hyphen thought hyphen leaders to contact today's guest. If you like the show, share it with your executive team and review us on iTunes. This is Global Thought Leader Insights. Brilliant thinking implemented.